This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny. I am Mike White at I am Mike White. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Hey, how's it going, guys? <laughs> Let me do that again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, guys, how's it going? It's awesome. good. Um, nice, nice. You guys having a good week? Good everything? Yeah, I've got spring break coming up. <gasps> Dude, any plans? And I'm super excited to think about all the things I can obsessively view. Nice, nice. Yeah. Are you just going to like take the week off and just kind of hang out? Um, yeah, half of it. I, mm. I got to do some things. My brother's coming into town, so I'm going to see him oh, nice. on the weekend. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be a lot of of watching movies and watching shows that I have because the theater pickings are slim, if you guys didn't know. Yeah, this, this, I don't know. It's like the, we're right in the sweet spot where the the crappy movies from February and, and stuff are just like just still occupying the theater a little bit. And then there's this murky kind of gray region that we're in now where it's like we're in between the bad movies and the summer movies. And this is like yep. the dumping ground of just mediocrity. It really is bad. Um, I love that April is now kind of the kickoff for summer movies. I'm excited for, for that to happen. I, you know, I think there's more they should spread movies out more and I I like I would think people would see them. I case in point, I'm super excited about Captain America. Me too. But uh I saw 302 <laughs> Rise of an Empire <laughs> last week and that was a turd sandwich. Oh really? <laughs> oh, it was awful. I heard there's an epic sex scene. It is it is pretty epic, yeah. Nice. Ava Green is awesome. It's she is awesome. It's a very aggressive sex scene. I'm there. Yeah, <laughs> worth worth the price of admission if you're if you're down for that. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> but the rest of the movie was a turd sandwich. Yeah. And then before that, we saw. Oh shoot! What did we see? Oh, we saw nonstop. Oh, which was okay. It was it was okay. It was it was yeah. I never even. I wanted to write a review of it, but I was like, I don't know how I can really talk about this movie for more than like a couple hundred words. Yeah. If that. There's uh, not much to say about it. Yeah. I, I had a lot of problems with the ending. Just, me too. It's, yeah. It's, I mean, do you want to talk about it real quick? Because this is just going to be a general, we're calling it a podge pod, yeah, pod, pod I kinda, episode. I kind of transferred in our, our opening into a... Uh, I didn't mean to turn it into no, a good. deep conversation, but yeah, it's uh, well, here we go. Yeah, so so this is just a general kind of extended another extended potpourri episode because you know coming up with topics is hard and researching the topics is time consuming and it kind of gets in the way of of actually watching the stuff that we're discussing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know sometimes we like to take a little break and we have some irons in the fire that we're kind of you know still working on. So this is the extended potpourri for this whatever um so nonstop, yeah the ending i just i felt like the motivations of it of of the of the antagonist were just really 
way too political for a movie that what like if they wanted to make a political statement or anything like that this was not the movie to do it in um cuz i mean yeah. it's it's a february slash march movie yeah uh, it reminded me a lot of of a lot of movies from the 90s that were um i can't think of a better word than filler movies yeah that just kind of were they were really fun uh, to a point, and then they just couldn't stick the landing, and then you forget them about them after a while. Right, couldn't stick the landing. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Do you have an example? Um, a movie like Broken Arrow. Yeah. Ah, okay. Which, which I think actually sticks the landing, but, but it, you know, in the grand scheme of thrillers like that, it's 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 pretty forgettable. Yeah. Like Face Off. Yeah, but I love Face Off. I didn't I want to use Face Off because I love that movie so much. Yeah, but but you know, nine out of ten people would lump that in this category. So yeah, yeah. there are yeah. and there are tons of like, and it it did feel like kind of a '90s action movie in that regard. I mean, like movies like Passenger Fifty Seven, which nonstop was miles ahead of Passenger Fifty Seven in terms of quality, because Passenger Fifty Seven is just a mess. Um, and then other movies like uh, like that. I think it was Sylvester Stallone, that movie Daylight. Yeah. Like from the nineties and also like Hard Rain. Kind of pretty much anything Those Christian movies, right. yeah, anything Christian Slater did in the nineties. <laughs> yeah. Or Arnold Schwarzenegger. Well, or Stallone did in the nineties. Yeah, yeah. Or Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger did in the nineties. That's yeah. that's and that's kinda of what they're doing with Liam Neeson. Taken Taken was a sensation. Oh yeah. Taken yeah. is like um like what can we compare that to? Taken is like face off. No, Taken is like Con Air, which is one of those types of movies that finds an audience and just explodes. Yeah, and right. I, I kind of wonder if they had any idea that it would do that. Because no, they couldn't have. There's no way. They cast Liam Neeson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. They couldn't have known. Yeah. So I guess on some level for the nostalgia factor, it's kind of nice to have these, these kind of runs of movies. Just right. and I'm, that's why I like it. That's yeah. what I liked about Nonstop. Yeah. Uh, but just, I mean, just like that, like when it came to a point where they were, um, where they were, where they were about to reveal who, who the mastermind person was or whatever, Mm -hmm. like there was like right before it, I was thinking it could be anyone on this plane and I I wouldn't care. I I just, it's just like, it's going to be, it felt like they wrote it up, they wrote it. And then at the, in the third act, they were like. Okay, well, any meaning? Okay, it's this character. Um, I will give them that he was in Mason's character. Spoiler. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? Don't see the movie. We're not recommending it. So, spoiler alert. Sorry. Right. You might want to put a stamp in there. But uh, in the second that that happened, I was like, okay, all right. Yeah. Well, you know. Right. He he is. If he is not it. Then this mo- then then I'd know nothing about these types of movies. Right, that's what I said. Um, so yeah, you, you mentioned before they revealed who it was. Um, it could have been anyone. Even after they revealed, I was like, well, that could have been anyone. Yeah. Oh yeah. So um, there was that. Yeah. However, uh, bad movies aside, mm-hmm. I did finally get to see Frozen. Last night. Nice. nice. I haven't gotten a chance to see it yet. Oh, you haven't, no. Tiny? I haven't seen it yet. Oh, it's excellent. Nice. I can't wait. It is as good as everyone says it is. 
Nice. My nephews yeah. love it. Do they? Freaking love it. <gasps> <laughs> what? They frozen love it. They frozen love it. Nice. <laughs> if I have to find a complaint, because mm-hmm. uh, we're critical on this show, sure. I would say that the only problem I had was because I know Idina Menzel so much. I, I'm a fan of Wicked. I, I love Rent. Mm-hmm. Um, it was hard for me to uh, separate myself from Idina Menzel's face anytime Elsa, the, the ice queen, mm-hmm. uh, sang. Okay. Hmm. Right. Idina Menzel has a very distinct voice and, mm-hmm. and I, you know, kids won't notice. Right. Um, but it, I, I couldn't imagine, um, that that was Elsa's voice coming from her mouth. It was like, Idina Menzel subbed in. Now she's fantastic. She's yeah. a, she's an amazing singer, but it was it was took me out of it for a second. But the movie, other than that, was really really great. My three year old nephew said the exact same thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, that's that's cool. I'm looking forward to to seeing it. Because um, I mean, and I mean, out now on Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah. It just came out today, the day that we're recording this. Not to put mm-hmm. a time frame on this episode. Um. Yeah, I Tiny. What have you watched lately? Very little, actually. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I I'm not prepared for anything at all. Uh, You're like me on the last episode, <laughs> the last potpourri episode. Yeah, I uh, I started working at a new building, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a whole new shift, and it's just been a huge adjustment. And so, like, I was watching a ton of stuff, and it's just really fallen off over the last couple of weeks. Um, that sucks. Yeah, mostly what I've been watching is like stuff that I own. Um, well, I know what you did watch. What's that? You watched the finale of True Detective. Oh, nice I transition. Very I nice. did. Uh, yes, as did I. I finally got caught up. Yeah. Um, yeah, so all why don't we talk right, about all that? All right, all right. <laughs> So I'm looking forward to Matthew McConaughey getting an Emmy. Yes, um, that will happen. That'll be fun. Um, yep. Also, Nick Pizzolatto and uh, <laughs> HBO sweeping it, hopefully. Yep. Because that show was absolutely incredible. It ran for eight episodes, if you're not familiar or if you've never listened to us. Um, <laughs> and it's it was just really good. It was It was really tight writing. In, in mm-hmm. really incredible acting, um, mm-hmm. which we've covered. But what did you guys think of the finale? Well, I think it's a great show for 7.9 episodes. <laughs> you really hated the closing credits, didn't you? You know, I didn't really hate it, the closing credits. <laughs> <laughs> you mean just when they were saying, like, the theme song? Oh, yeah, just the, just the last. The <laughs> just last, that last yeah. little bit. No, no. Uh, can we say spoiler alert? Can we... Yeah, Put if that on you here. are listening to this and you want to avoid spoilers, check out the show notes, which you can find in the lyric section of this MP3 file or just in the show notes of whatever podcatcher you're using to listen to this. And you can skip over to our next discussion, which is probably something I don't know what we're going to talk about. Um, <laughs> so just check that for the timestamps. Uh, starting now. Spoilers. So, the show ends... Uh, well, just before the show ends, they, they, you know, Russ Cole is stabbed incredibly violently. I, I can't believe he survived that. That sequence. That, can yeah. we, before we get to the ending, sorry, can we just talk no, about let's, that yeah, sequence let's. when he's chasing him through? The, and man, that was just, 
I loved it. Oh, it was it was intense. Like um, the disembodied voice. Yes. Yep. Just this is Carcosa. in stereo. <laughs> yeah. 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 Was he was he talking when he was when he was referring to him? Was he calling him a little police or a little priest? Because people online are saying priest, and I can't make that. I don't understand that connection or anything. You know, I don't I, know. I don't know. I didn't. That's great. Pay, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I just assumed it, he was saying police, but that. And when he got stabbed, I was like, "Oh man, that's that's rough." And then when when uh um, uh, I Martin, I thought he was gonna die. So did I. I thought I was thinking. And I was almost okay with it. Me too. Mm-hmm. Until was, until uh. Uh, Marty got a hatchet to the chest. I, I was like, no, yeah. too far. Same here. I didn't need that. <laughs> and I was kind of surprised that they both survived because, I mean, you can look at it just um, like you can look at it from the planning phase or whatever. Like, okay, well, you have two detectives in the show mm-hmm. to increase the drama. You can kill off one or, or, or what. And then as soon as Russ got stabbed, I was like, oh, okay, well, he's going to die. And then Mm-hmm. Marty got the hatchet, and I was like, "Oh, yeah." Now, he was why like, were you surprised that they both died? Wait, they didn't both die. Uh, that they didn't die. Oh, that. that they, oh, just died. I was thinking. Just I was just thinking of just basic storytelling. Like, okay, well, I was expecting as soon as he got stabbed, I was expecting him to die, and then for a split second, I thought that they were going to kill them both off, and it would be kind of insane if like that ended. It ended like that. But I mean, yeah. it wouldn't be—it wouldn't have been satisfying at all. Um, See, I feel like the entire season they were building towards one of two conclusions for Rust. It was either going to be he was going to go through an incredible change, or he was going to die. Right. Because throughout this entire season, he's just been treating life and existence as like this question. It's like I, I don't even know why this is here. You know, I don't know yeah. why I'm here. He's just had this such an existential attitude for this entire season that right. I was like, either that I'm gonna cut you off. Sorry, either yeah. that or totally full of shit, <laughs> which is up to the viewer. Hmm. But you know, he talks in episode five about how so much of it is just stories. You know, it, it, it's all about narrative and who, what do you believe? And and you know, we see things from a greater plane, and we're all. Just, is telling stories which is even more meta because that's we're watching a show which right. is a story about them telling stories so yeah i i think he he is very existential and, and and very negative in that way but also there's there's a possibility that he's just full of shit. you know what i mean and everything yeah. he's spouting off is because his daughter died hmm uh, i really don't think so uh and no, i completely disagree with that i never got that because he brought up his daughter like twice throughout the whole season. And all, like I think one of those times was because someone asked him about it. Yeah. I don't think it's something that he dwelled on very much. Um, yeah, I don't think, I don't think so. But, and also I thought he was probably going to die in that scene where, you know, the, the climax, because he was like one step away from evisceration. Like he was, the dude stabbed him and like lifted him into the, I mean, he like yeah. cut him open. So I, I thought, I was like, well, he's going to die. Yeah. I was really surprised when he lived. So, and they kinda, I liked it. Yeah, they kind of <laughs> toyed with us for a while too because I wasn't sure. I just assumed that he was dead when they showed Marty in the hospital bed. Um, yeah, yeah. There was yeah. um when I was watching the um the after episode thing with the the creative the writer and the director um they made an interesting 
point that I didn't really pick up on again. Again, this so the show is so detailed, but uh, mm-hmm. it was really cool. The um, this this episode was the first time that we ever had a change of perspective because every single like frame from the beginning till this episode was either from the perspective of Rust or Marty, but this episode we get it from the perspective of the killer, yeah, the Yellow King. And it was just really interesting. It was, and it was creepy. It was. <laughs> it was very unsettling. Yeah, really, really creepy. But so, so just kind of on the surface, like there was, I don't know. It seemed like there wasn't very much subtext to it. It was just like they weren't trying to freak us out. It was just like this is what this guy is. Right. I don't know. It, it was just a, a strange way to do it. I liked it. I'm not saying, not talking negatively about it, but uh, I liked it. I thought it was interesting. The weird accent thing kind of threw me off a little bit. Yeah, what was he doing in there? What what was showing? Was that actually his? Is he proper like New England? No, he was imitating that movie he was watching. Okay, that's that's what I thought. But he did it so well and spoke that way for a while. Yeah, because remember to his sister wife. The the second to (laughs) last the second to last episode, he said. The the climb the final scene was him saying, "My family's been here for a long time." Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, yeah, he's he's a Bayou guy. Yeah, right. Hmm. So yeah. it was it was it was a good finale. I liked it a lot, and I'm really excited for the next season. But we can talk about the closing scene if you guys okay. are ready. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the closing scene, they are in the hospital. There's a really unspoken moment, or there there is an uh, of uh, an exchange of emotions with Marty and his family that I thought was just brilliant. Mm-hmm. Totally okay with that. Uh, then he then cut to, um, well, first we see a shot of all the areas in Louisiana where horrible things have happened. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh and to me that's a reminder that these things happened, these things are still happening because Billy Lee Tuttle is still out there. Um and that that it is, you know, that's kind of the problem the internet had with the episode mm-hmm. is that they didn't get the closure they wanted. Now I'm I'm not of that group. I I think it only set out to tell us about these characters and it only set out to to tell us about this case. And I'm okay that they got their guy and the the head honcho of all this voodoo creepiness is is still out there. That's okay. But it shows us that scene and then there's a conversation between Marty and Rust and uh, Rust reveals that as he was dying, almost dying, uh, he feels the presence of his daughter and possibly his parents. Uh, and then he, and then so Marty likes that. And then he says something about how you know the the darkness is something. You know, darkness is all around. Look up at the stars, darkness. And uh, and Rust looks up and says, "If you ask me, the light's winning out." And that's that's where it threw me. I, I, I couldn't do that line. I couldn't accept that line. Mm-hmm. So your issue was with the dialogue as opposed to the actual evolution of the character? Yep. Yes. Okay. You know, okay. I'm not – I don't love the evolution of character. And, and here – let me – this <laughs> – I'll have to explain myself a little more. Okay. I am – 
uh, I'm tired of seeing movies on this podcast. We are all non-believers. We all believe that when we die, the machine shuts down and that's it. Correct? Right. I'm tired of movies uh, portraying characters that believe what we believe and then going back on it. I feel like they they are too afraid to do that, which is m- mind-blowing to me because this show otherwise wasn't afraid to do anything. Right. I understand that he went through an experience that I hope I will never go through and probably won't ever go through. But I'd like to think that on my deathbed, I won't have a religious moment. Um, the show is basically saying, Nick Pizzolatto is saying that – the energy of your dead family members is is still around. If if the biggest non-believer on the show believed one thing and could switch, Nick Pizzolatto can only understand, can only believe that there is an afterlife. Okay, there's that. What leads me to believe that Russ Cole has to at least be a little full of <laughs> at the beginning is that this it's too easy for him to flip flop and sit and think that the light is winning out especially not 4 minutes before he says that line they show us shots shot 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 this location this location this location this location of where awful dark dark things happened and are going to continue to happen the light is certainly not winning out why would the person who understood that say that that bummed me out hmm hmm i i i think your whole uh your theory about or your your interpretation of how he switched his opinion i don't know if that's quite true i don't think he ever really clearly i think he was an atheist he was uh definitely Mm anti-religious um but i don't know that he ever gave a clear-cut belief on what he thinks happens when you die. Um, I don't know mm-hmm. if he ever really came to that conclusion, gave us that. So I don't think it was a stretch to say that he had this experience where he he saw his daughter. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I and I'm also, I also don't know, like they're not necessarily saying that he saw his daughter. He's, they're saying he felt his daughter. And I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. It's the lights winning out that bothers me. And I think there was more – this show was ridiculously dark mm-hmm. in such an awesome way. Um, yeah. But I think I there was – I it for that. Oh, me too. I, I think there was more light than we realized though. And I think there was – to use their metaphor, I, I don't want to be cheesy, but that's their metaphor. I'm just, you know, expanding on it. Um, I think there was more light than we realized, especially in this finale because they do they do expose this for what it is. I mean, I, I think they, they exposed the conspiracy, which was completely underground before this. Like, no one knew that it was a full-on conspiracy. They thought it was just one guy killing people. Um, they killed the head guy. These mm-hmm. two men who had – one man had an awful life. The other guy had a, a troubled life. Um, they both came back to do something that they did not have to do. And they risked their lives, especially Marty. You know, he was having a pretty good go of it. He was financially stable. He was seemed relatively happy. Although they did go into how they just kind of they just go home and that's it. They don't really do anything. Yeah. Um, they do say that, but I think 
I think they still did not, they did not have to risk their lives to do this. Um, and it was just that that's, that's out of a sense of duty. They came back and took care of this case. I think that's, that's a, a source of light, if you will, to explain the metaphor. So uh, I, yeah. think, I think there was more light than we give the show credit for, I guess. Mm-hmm. That, that's how I would say it. Mm-hmm. I can agree with you 100%. I, I totally think so. Um, and that kind of goes with me saying that he's full of bull. You know, he talks about, you know, are, are we bad men and bad men keep the other bad men away? I don't think Russ Cole's that bad. Uh, right. So I, I think he talks a big game. I think he tells a lot of stories. Maybe if the line were, you know, he said th- there's a lot of dark up there, and then Russ said, I don't know, but there's still a little light. I'd have been okay with it. I agree with that. That is that is a way better, that's way better dialogue. I yeah. agree. Okay. That's that's true. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I would, I would venture to say that I wouldn't. I didn't really see it as, and I'm not sure that any. I don't know. I don't know if this is the big like thing about it but uh i didn't see it as a religious thing at all really i just felt like like rust was this guy who had like a very a very um what's the word i'm looking for like like a very deep understanding or interpretation of the ways of the universe a very existential kind of outlook on things and then I just felt like at the end when he when he felt like he he felt his daughter and felt uh the beyond or whatever it just it it didn't necessarily flip him but I just felt like it just it changed his understanding of things I didn't think that it was really a well I'm going to go to heaven or whatever or anything like that and I'm not saying that anyone says, is saying that I'm just saying that it's it's understandable that under this type of situation for him in this kind of experience i feel like maybe he would adapt to um a change of of uh adapt his his understanding a little bit does that make sense yeah that's fine yeah yeah i like that that's good but that's kind of i mean uh we kind of put that (laughs) we kind of put that to bed before yeah yeah I, I agree, and uh, you know I think that's up in the air. Yeah, I think part of the show is the the how ambiguous that is. Mm-hmm. I think if you feel like it was religious, you're allowed to feel that way. I think that's on purpose. If you don't feel like it was, you're allowed to feel that way. I think that's on purpose. But I'm glad to hear you say, Tiny, that you're not happy with that line because that was my problem. The my line is problem. cheesy. I, I'll say that it is cheesy and it is very when ribbon-y. I when I. Put it in our, our pod chat. Uh, I said it, he should have rode away with a wink and a sparkle. <laughs> is how that line felt. Yeah, right? it was. And see, I, I had misunderstood what you were trying to say in the pod yeah. chat. I was like, when you were saying that, I was obviously listeners. We had talked about this before this, but not in this much depth. Um, yeah, I was like, what? How can he be saying that? Um, <laughs> but I, now that I'm glad we clarified it because I do yeah. agree with you. I think the line was a bit much. It was okay. a little too much of a bow. It yeah. was, and yeah. that's my problem for a show that I don't feel felt didn't need a bow. Right, it could have like been the show set up this tone. <laughs> I'm cutting you guys off all over the place. <laughs> I'll let you guys take the lead the rest of the way. I just got really <laughs> defensive about it because right, it right. is such a great show, and there are people just writing it off now because because of the way they stuck the landing. But I will say. Um, 
I'm excited to watch it again from start to finish. Me too. But I, I'll never get over that last line. I, I think that was a poor choice, and that kind of bums me out for for an otherwise, uh, dare I say, flawless show. Hmm. Well said. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I didn't have that much of a problem with it, <laughs> but I mean, now that I have this kind of analysis to, in my head, maybe it'll change my opinion whenever I do rewatch it. And I will rewatch it several times, I'm sure. Yeah. Um. So if you guys don't mind, can we transition to thoughts about season two? Yeah, sure. But I don't want to spend too long because some oh, yeah, of the speculations yeah. are driving me nuts. Yeah, I'm just – all I want to say is that it's saying that I think it's – it was implied or, or it's um, Nick whatever his last name is. Pizzolatto. Pizzolatto. He um, – I think he implied or or just maybe it's just like a little like – wink or whatever that it's going to be a female case kind of thing. right yeah and that it'll be about like violence against women and stuff which i think would be amazing it would be really incredible to see that maybe it would uh do a better job of that than the girl with the dragon tattoo mm-hmm. in those books <laughs> um but i just think it would, it would be cool um yeah i think that'd be fantastic yeah yeah will it change locations i'm sure yeah yeah, and see, that's what I feel like they played their hand really, really big on this first, this first, uh, I don't know what he called this first hand, <laughs> right? <laughs> to use the poker metaphor, sorry. Um, but I, I feel like they overplayed their first hand. I'll put it that way. Um, be, n- I'm not complaining, but no. I'm just saying for the longevity of the show, it was huge choices on the first season of getting Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey, of course. Matthew McConaughey couldn't necessarily have been a bigger star, but he's super popular right now mm-hmm. um, yep. for obvious reasons. Um, and then I, I, they kind of sh- shined a huge light on this whole genre of like Southern noir, which mm-hmm. I had never really heard that before. Um, yeah. I kind of knew what it was, but I just didn't know how expansive it was. Um, Matt, found an article from somewhere about all of the sources for this season yeah, yeah. of true detective, like all these books that uh, Nick Pizzolatto had said that he's read before. Um, some of it's philosophy, some of it's novels. It's, it's a whole genre. I had no idea that it even existed. Right. And I feel like it is a deep, deep well that has yet to really be tapped for, for film and television anyways. Right. Um, it's a very dark so place. It is. I feel like they could do, 10 seasons on just Southern Noir, but oh, yeah. I almost feel like they have to change it up a little bit for next season. Right. Yeah. Maybe and something in a city. Yeah. That's going to be kind of the problem too with it is that I, it's going to have this incredible first season kind of weighing it, maybe not weighing it down, but I read somewhere, I don't know how factual this is or whatever, but I read someone online mentioned that in passing that he had, he'd spent two years writing this season. Um, Wow. So it was pretty much really, really fleshed out and everything. So it's going to be kind of a little nerve-wracking to see how he how he works under a um, deadline. Mm-hmm. So it'll True. be kind of curious, um, curious to see that. Obviously, there have been so many people speculating on the casting choices for next season because yeah. it's just so wide open. Uh, yeah. My favorite one I've seen so far is uh, 
Sam Rockwell and Michael B. Jordan. Oh, that would oh. be so awesome. Yeah, that I gotta would go change be my pants. <laughs> 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 I I would say there's almost a hundred percent chance it's not gonna happen. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Michael B. Jordan's um, gonna be a little busy with uh, busy. Fantastic <laughs> right. Four. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But that oh, would man, be amazing. that is fantastic. Yeah. To yeah. to uh to switch focus, sort of. Do you, how do you guys like the anthology format? I think it could be really good for this for this type of show. I I mean I wasn't a huge fan. Of, I only saw one season of American Horror Story, and there's only one worth seeing, in my opinion. <laughs> well, is it the first one? Because I didn't think the first one was worth seeing. Oh, I, well, I liked the first one a lot. It was um, it was clearly produced by Ryan Murphy. I'll mm-hmm. say that. Take that as you will. Uh, Ryan Murphy created Nip Tuck and Glee. Mm-hmm. And knowing that going in helped its case. Um, I, I yeah. liked that a lot of that was done with, with a wink and a nod. And I was perfectly okay with that. I, I really I did enjoy uh, the first season of American Horror Story. Sure. Um, the second season, not so much. Interesting. I, uh... but, but I love the idea of switching up the story. Yeah. So there are so many concept shows out now, like the show, uh, Nashville. Mm -hmm. Now I've never seen an episode, so I I apologize if I'm generalizing, but, uh, you know, it's the idea that these two divas, one from the old days and one from today go on tour together. That's a one off story. And you're dreaming if you're going to take that longer than one season. Right. So I think it's really fresh that they could do this. And I, I, when, before the first season of True Detective premiered, I kind of had this thought in my head that, like, The Wire to me is like the greatest show ever. Like, liter- legitimately, just the best thing that's ever been put on television, just for a multitude of reasons. But one of the things that sticks out about that is that each season had a clearly defined theme and and social commentary. It kind of each season kind of refocused onto a different part of the city. And I felt like True Detective could accomplish that same kind of thing by having like season one being about this kind of this light and dark kind of kind of wrestling existential kind of things. And maybe season two can be something else entirely under a different in a different setting. I don't know how far away they want to get from um, season one's kind of um tone or or style but mm-hmm. i think they they can go a, a lot of places and they can have this kind of loose connection with the first one not not like thematic connection or anything like that but just this kind of or i mean like storytelling connection but like this kind of statement i guess i don't know um i think it could be really cool to see to see some other setting and other other kind of theme play out for season two yeah i'm excited for it i've never i haven't watched american horror story i've never watched any show that does the anthology method um i'm excited for it i just just curious to see where it goes um i i think this show played on a lot of strengths of uh of usage of time um i feel like we got a series worth of character arch or arcs, sorry. Um, I feel like we got a, a series worth of character arcs in eight episodes, yeah, which was really impressive. Totally. Um, and so, if if they keep doing stuff like that, I, I have no problem with it. And I, I mean, I, I think eight episodes is cool too. I think 
shows like this that are you know it's it's an hour and it's not like you have commercials in there you have eight right. hours to tell a story if you try to stretch that out to 12 13 like if this if that series had had or i'm sorry if this season had had four or five more episodes it probably would have gotten a little bit drug out mm-hmm. um at least to an extent but i you know the way that this was structured I, they didn't waste one scene not one scene was superfluous or unnecessary it was all all great it all it all led to the end and so if they stick to that format i can't see any problems with it right yep agreed um what do you guys think do you think last one then we can switch off to another topic um do you would you guys want to see a um kind of similar setup for season two, do you guys want them to keep the time frame kind of thing, like old case and new case, like kind of parallel stories, kind of running side by side kind of thing, or do you guys think that they kind of? It was cool up? and well done, but I wouldn't want it to be the gimmick. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I don't think necessarily each season should have a a huge expansion of time like that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't I don't necessarily think the case needs to drag out over twenty years like this one did. Right. And yeah. that's, yeah. I, I agree to an extent, but like you said, they, they crammed in or they, they really accomplished a series worth of character development through that. And I think a part, a big part of that is the, the time frame, um, of the storytelling of, of the actual story. Maybe that factored into it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. It'll be out next year, I'm sure. But mm-hmm. yeah. So yep. spoilers off. Um, yes. Um, I'll throw my hat in real quick. Go right ahead. Just because um, I, I didn't say much earlier. Um, an update on my goal of watching one movie every day or 365 movies in a year. Yes. I'm still I'm still ahead of the game, thankfully. Oh, nice. Um, like I said, I've fallen back. But today is the 77th day of the year, I think. And yes. I am at... Yeah, and I'm at 84 movies, so... Holy crap. Jesus. Yeah, I'm Jesus. still ahead of the curve. What's the best movie you've seen this year? Oh, probably... Oh, I'd have to think about it. Um, <laughs> Same I question, watched... Matt, so get ready. Oh, I watched a lot of the Oscar movies in January, so... Um... Oh, man. Uh... Put me on the spot, dude. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Probably her. Oh, nice. Yeah, or Dallas Buyers Club. Also which, nice. Which we've talked about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mine would probably be 12 Years a Slave or uh, Mia Maxima Culpa, that documentary nice. about the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike, how about you? I'd say Inside Lewin Davis. Uh, RoboCop, whoa, or Frozen, <laughs> nice, yeah, wow, okay. cool, yeah. Um, now, though, okay, well, best pr- is Inside Lewin Davis. Okay, RoboCop was damn fun though. <laughs> nice, yeah. Um, news, uh, they have announced that the new Star Wars movie will be yes. set thirty years after Jedi. Okay, yes. cool. I I saw the headline, but I didn't see the actual. Uh-huh. news about it that's cool uh, yep. how do you feel about that i feel good about it nice 
it it fits. They'll look thirty years older. Uh, and so far, the only person or the only character confirmed to return is R two D two. And they've also said there will be. This is this is a quote. There will be some very familiar faces along with a trio trio of new young leads. Oh, awesome! Interesting. Yeah. Yep. I wonder if it's going to be the the solo kids. Cause, I'm hoping that's the idea. Yeah, because I think isn't it like in the uh, the the books that have been written or maybe the comics that the solos had uh, they had twins and then a son. Yes, they had three kids. Yeah, it's it's in the books. Hmm. Right, that'd be cool. That's cool. Yep. Um, nice. I watched uh, Rush. Can we talk about that? Have we talked about that on the podcast yet? Uh, I mean, Tiny brought I, it up in a. In a potpourri once. In a potpourri yeah. once, and I have not seen it. Okay. Uh, by all means. I'll just say I agree with what Tiny said. It was really good. Um, I can't really remember what all you said, Tiny. But yeah. <laughs> I thought it was – man, I was really, really pleased with it. It was really cool. Um, it was a really cool rivalry story, but it wasn't a traditional rivalry story. It was kind of how these – it wasn't – like oh I hate this guy or anything. It was like kind of how these two guys influenced each other and and pushed each other in a way that I hadn't I, I wasn't really expecting uh, it to play out that way. It was kind of by the end there was there was kind of a mutual kind of I don't know about respect, but there was kind of well yeah respect. There was a mutual kind of thing with them that I wasn't expecting out of a rivalry story like that. And I mean, I know that it sounds like it's pretty standard kind of rivalry story kind of thing, but it was, it played out differently than I thought it would. Um, yeah. 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 Cool. And the, the racing scenes were really cool, really well done. Uh, cinematography mm-hmm. and, and, uh, just really cool. And I feel like the R rating for that movie was like so fitting for yeah. the story, like I, I feel like like ratings for movies are just so arbitrary. Like they just don't really mean anything. Like if it's rated R, there's going to be some violence or some nudity, and there's going to be a bunch of bad language that doesn't really mean anything. But right. I feel like it was a big influence on the story. Like it, it had to be rated R, and the way they used it was perfect. Like they didn't put anything unnecessary in it. I absolutely agree. Yeah, I liked um, it. Just an, a. a strange observation on my part yeah um yeah i was happy that it was rated r um that's (laughs) just because i'm a vulgar heathen yes Um, i don't know if olivia wilde though oh yeah very underused yeah she was underused but i felt like it kind of fit with with uh with the story it was yeah it didn't really need any more right right i can always use a little more yeah my eyes were wanting more (laughs) um but no, it was, it was a good movie. I liked it a lot. Yeah. I'll make a quick recommendation. A, um, a documentary I watched on Netflix Instant. It's called uh, The Revisionaries, which is not a word. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's a really cool documentary about how uh, in the state of Texas, a lot of textbooks are made there. And they have their own board of education in uh, the state of Texas. And they get to... They get to literally decide what gets put into textbooks and uh, 
there's been the, the the most common debate is about you know creationism versus evolution, how that makes it into textbooks and and what what can be said, what kind of language can be used, and so it focuses a lot on that. But what's most disturbing about it is that there's just these seven or there's like nine or eleven people in Texas who get to decide what millions of kids throughout the entire country get to learn. It's it's kind of wow. disturbing. It's it's an interesting. It's an interesting documentary. I, I just had well, no idea. And they're also being they're also employed by the same big companies that produce the news on channels like ABC and CBS who tell you that your students aren't doing well in school, so what do we do? And then this company comes around and says, "Well, we have the book that will help your students succeed." So we say, "Okay, let's buy that book." Oh, by the way, we also have the test that means that your student has learned this book and will succeed even more. That'll fix things. Okay, let's do that. News. Uh, students haven't done as well as expected. What do we do now? Another book comes along, and you just kind of like follow the money up and see they're all making the same money. Jeez. It's, it's really, it was really disturbing because it's it, – yeah, it's like you said. It's, it, it is just like any other political bureaucracy that you know of. It is so – corrupt it's so influenced by lobbyists and it's so subject to bias it's Mm -hmm. it was disgusting um that's the best word i can think of it like they had to have a meeting over what kind of political philosophers would make it into the social studies textbook and like there were several people who like wanted to exclude thomas jefferson because because he was like the most godless of the founders right It, it was just so wild to see you know you think that this Ugh. we teach kids facts it's not that's not what we teach kids now i don't mean to criticize your profession mike but no no yeah. i'm fully aware and i and i um i would argue well, i wouldn't argue with you but i i like to think that my students get a, a slightly different experience in my class and i i would i would venture that because i, I would venture to say that because i'm sure you don't you're not the kind of person that would just teach from a textbook. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I, and being a teacher is freaking hard. I mean, I, <laughs> I was a, I was an education major for one year and I was like, Nope, Nope, no, thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah. I didn't I, have I the balls to, to get out of it. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it was, it's a really interesting documentary documentary. Cool. I, I recommend it. Cool. And it's called the revisionaries, the revisionaries. Cool. I'll check there. Out was a movie came out about three maybe four years ago called waiting for superman did you guys see that movie oh yeah but the kind of the um what was it like a lottery kind of system for yeah the lottery system for school for for these charter schools for school vouchers uh, yeah and to see what you know which kids go to these schools and who needs them and uh, they just talked about how there's this endless cycle of bad teachers going to other schools and um, and then how do we get these kids out of there? Well, we give them the, the charter schools, the better schools, uh, but they can only take so many students. So there's this lottery and then you, you, you know, you're left asking, well, what happens to the rest of the kids? Right. It's pretty crazy. It's I never did get around to seeing that, but it sounds like a fun way to spend a couple hours. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I no. thought it sounded interesting, but I think it was like almost entirely produced by Oprah's production company, which kind of like raised a red flag for me. 
racist. Yeah. She, I, I have no, I have nothing against Oprah except that right. she's just incredibly like biased and like opinionated, and yeah. she will like twist anything to her opinions. Which again, that's not always a bad thing. I'm just saying it's yeah. When when you want when you watch a documentary, you don't necessarily want that much, you know, right. control. You want objectivity, right? Um, right. At least so a certain yeah. amount of it. Yeah, that's why I never watched it, but hmm. maybe I should. Yeah, I hadn't known that that it had anything to do with Oprah. I might be wrong about that. I might be thinking of something else, but I thought that's why I never watched it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not seeing anything about Oprah, but I might not be looking hard enough. Yeah, you could be right, and I feel like I feel like I heard that as well. Yeah. But I don't know. I do not know. If you guys are not watching Parenthood. Oh, yeah. You need to be watching Parenthood. Really? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you, well, you liked Friday Night Lights, right, Matt? Oh, yeah. Same guy, same people. Really? Oh, okay. Well, it's the same creator. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, huh. yeah. Uh, also doing About a Boy uh, for oh, yeah. NBC or whatever, which, I, you know, I don't know. Right. Um, but, man... Uh, I you know I guess there's not a whole lot to say if you guys haven't seen it right and you've already it, you've talked about it before on the podcast I have yeah, yeah. Uh, this season uh, they and and just recently the episode that came out a couple of days ago mm-hmm. um, two of the main characters one one of the daughters of one of the siblings and her husband are going through a separation uh-huh. and it is played so well on this show. Um, it's it's just fantastic fantastic. Craig T. Nelson plays uh the, the patriarch of the family, Zeke. Uh-huh. Um and he he ha- has like a home run line just about every other episode. Nice. Uh, it's worth watching the show for Craig T. Nelson. And he it it is often that uh I, I have the lump of cry in my throat while watching Parenthood. Yeah, that's what I've heard. And I, I mean, I've been meaning to check it out, but I mean, I've just been, you know, kind of busy. Yeah. Um, like Did I'm, you watch that from the beginning, Mike? Um. Well, I've seen it from the beginning, but I didn't watch it when it first aired. Okay. I was wondering because I thought it was like in its like fourth season or something. It is currently in its fifth. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It's one of those bubble shows, too. Like, you never know if it's coming back the next year. Right. Oh, really? Year. Yeah. That's okay. unfortunate. Um, which is like community. Yeah, which Speaking I'm of caught which, up on. You are. Yeah. Tiny, have you gotten caught up yet? I have, yes. Oh, nice. Okay, can we talk about Meow Meow Beans? Yeah. Uh, have you watched the episode after that? Yeah, I've watched all okay. the episodes. Let's talk about Meow Meow Beans. Yes. How awesome was that episode? I loved it so much. Yeah. five meow meow, be- meow, meow beans <laughs> yeah I just I don't know like I love these high concept episodes and this was the first one of them that I kind of that really made me think like how funny the underlying like the how funny the subtext of it that there is this there's this school where the students and faculty are so swayed by such the simplest things that it's a sweeping change of the entire the entire uh society of the or the entire like t- tone of the the campus. You know what? I realized that for the first time as well that yeah. episode. Serious, it must have been something about the episode, but yeah. I was like these people are nuts. Yeah. <laughs> it may just be just the absurdity of it being 
caused by just a simple phone app. Uh-huh. But and called meow meow means. Maybe called meow meow maybe. means. <laughs> but it was just, and it was handled so well. I mean, I loved the um, the kind of dystopian future, kind of this old fashioned kind of dystopian depiction. Uh-huh. That was just, I thought it was played out so well. It, it reminded me of a lot of like um, old sci-fi uh, movies and shows like that. Uh-huh. Um, I just, I loved it. I loved the aesthetic of it and just how it all played out. How did you great. feel? Yeah. How did you feel? Uh, well, even before we talk about it, I, I'm so glad how the show has landed on its feet. Me too. They've now done. I mean, we know that that season four is kind of the forgotten. We don't even talk about it. But there, this season, even with all the shakeup and the loss of Chevy Chase and Donald Glover, there have been episodes that are better than season three. Oh yeah. yeah, I as soon as you said the loss of Chevy Chase, I was like, wait, oh yeah, that's right. Chevy Chase was in the show. He was on that show. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> I just Pierce was just such a like pretty at times he was a weak link in the series. Yeah, he um, was. and I I think uh, semi replacing him with Jonathan Banks has done nothing but great things for the series. It's an upgrade. Oh yeah, and mm-hmm. I hate to say it because I love I love Chevy Chase. Vacation right. is one you know in my top five. And right. it's, it's hard to admit that, but. He wasn't. I love Chevy Chase best when he gets to do his Chevy Chase thing. Yeah. 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 And there there were a couple times in the show when he did, and those were the times I loved him the most. But other than that, I he he didn't do a whole lot for me. Yeah. I do think the show Man, I don't want to say suffer. But it's missing <laughs> Donald Glover. It is. It is. And they yeah, or maybe I'm missing Donald Glover. Right. They've covered it up pretty well but mm-hmm. there is still somewhat of a void there yeah. um i think abed being in the relationship is helping yeah um because yep. he has he does have a counterpart again yep um which is the biggest thing but uh yeah i and i also loved in in the episode from last week that uh that annie is becoming that in a way yeah i, yeah. I loved their um, when they were playing the the pile of fistful bullets. of bullets game, is that what, pound uh, of bullets? Pile, pile of bullets. Pile of bullets. With, uh, with when Vince they were Gilligan. doing like spot on at the same time was awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I loved I loved them having Vince Gilligan on. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, so random. Yeah, awesomely random. <laughs> I loved the um, while we're on the topic. Um, the episode before Meow Meow Beans, mm-hmm. the uh, the last scene with Dean Pelton and uh, John Oliver, where I don't know if you remember, but John Oliver like walks into the dean's <laughs> office and he's like, "What's the name of that Tex-Mex restaurant or whatever?" <laughs> right. And the dean is like, "Oh, so and so, so and so." You read my mind, and then he's like, "Oh, oh, well, ah," uh, uh, and it just goes from there. Yeah. That was amazing acting absolutely uh, that uh-huh. was amazing <laughs> they've been killing it with the tags all season they i have. think yeah um i rewound that the like first four one times. was the fir- was the first one when uh troy was the was the chair i think and he, so and he cried <laughs> <laughs> i love that just saying it makes you guys laugh that's yeah. how good it is there was yeah. also that uh uh, uh that 
scene with the dean i think it was this most recent episode <laughs> where he comes in and raps yeah. yeah i was in tears laughing at that it was so yeah. perfect it was i had i had to rewatch it and i think the best part of it is that he's he's dressed as like a peanut bar <laughs> And yeah. there's there's zero explanation of it. <laughs> right. It's like, why is he dressed up like that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so it's uh, so random. Yeah, it was it was great. And the, <sighs> the obligatory well, yawn from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I work nights. Um, <laughs> no, and I just I I I love it, and I'm glad that it's bounced back, and I'm happy for Dan Harmon. Yish. Um. Switching gears a little bit, I watched last night. Um, I watched uh, uh, the Raid Redemption. Oh, finally! Yeah, I. Well, it's funny because back in January, I bought it for like five bucks on Blu-ray because it was just on sale at Best Buy, and I'd heard a lot about it, and I wanted to see it. And man, it was exactly what I wanted it to be. Yep. Um, like I was wanting like a cool action movie. That was just that was just insane uh choreography. That's that was yep. my big selling point for it and it delivered in spades. It was um even in, from the first like 30 minutes. Mike you mentioned that you weren't too crazy about it. I I loved it. Oh, I didn't say that. I I said it was it was my least favorite part of the movie. Right, right, right. I just Which only meant to emphasize how great the rest of it was. Yeah, I I liked the build up and I don't know, did you watch it with uh Mike Shinoda's um, score. No, well, I okay. saw it in theaters. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, uh, and at home. And no, I did not watch it. Well, I haven't watched it with the original music or anything like that. But man, that score was really good. It was really good at at helping the tension, mm-hmm. um, and and really it really accented the tension a lot. It, it really it really built it up really well, and it kind of had this. I mean, it's it's Mike Shinoda from Linkin Park, so there's this kind of like, I don't know much about music, but it's kind of like this electronic kind of thing, and it kind of reminded me of like those '80s action movies that had like this really um, electronic, I guess. I don't know how else to describe it. Um, sound to the soundtrack that it just really elevated it for me quite a bit, actually. Huh. Hmm. And the violence was just so so cool, but yeah. in the end, did it even really matter? What? What? Oh, the music! Damn it, Tiny! Killer, you win! Uh, Stupid reference! Damn it, you win! <laughs> <laughs> no, but I I loved it, and just the fight scenes, the martial arts were just I was. There were many, many times where I was like, how? Just how? How does this happen? How can people do this kind of stuff? Um, even in the beginning part where they show the guy training or just, just working out, I was like, how is he moving so fast? I don't understand that. <laughs> um, well, some of it's filmmaking. Well, yeah, yeah. But I was sucked um, into it. <laughs> The first time I saw that movie in theaters, I, I was in a weird place in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, it was before we started this podcast, obviously, uh, and it was before I was really doing reviews and critiques of with any real seriousness. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, and I read I was always like basically anything that Roger Ebert said was how I felt <laughs> about the movie going in. Sure. And I love Roger Ebert, and I miss Roger Ebert, and he's a great influence on me. Uh, but I, one of the best things I ever did was liberate myself from Roger <laughs> Ebert um, because he kind of ripped that movie apart. Did he really? He, you know, he was like, oh, it's pointless, and it's all just violence, and, and the, the story is stupid. So I went into the movie expecting that. Mm-hmm. Now, he was wrong. Uh, and I felt that he was wrong. However, I was still like trying to find ways to discredit the movie. And I was all like, <laughs> oh, you know, the story about the brothers, that was kind of lame and it was just so easy. But over time and like the second and third time I saw that movie, I- I'm over it. It's, it's good from start to finish. Absolutely. Um, and I, I never really, I mean, on the surface, it's kind of a pretty straightforward scenario and everything exactly and that's that's Um, what i say now yeah what makes me kind of nervous is i don't know much about the raid 2 but i know that it's like two and a half hours long whoa (laughs) yeah which i'm like eh. one of the main reasons why i watched the raid redemption last night was because it's like an hour 40 Uh uh-huh so i'm kind of curious how this is going to sustain itself for two and a half hours the, um, the movie reminded me of a video game I used to play for the NES just called Kung Fu, <laughs> which was just like different levels. You had to go up these levels of endless bad guys. Okay. I, it, it ha- the, the people who wrote this movie had to have played that game. <laughs> but uh, check it out. Check it out on YouTube. Um, nice. If I had one complaint about the movie – well, I have several. But mm-hmm. my biggest complaint about the movie is, uh, is that it's called The Redemption. Yeah. I wish it was just called the raid. Yeah, what the hell? me too. There is no redemption. Well, I think it's more about the brothers, like redemption for leaving the family. But then again, I mean, you know, it's not really that redemptive. Exactly. Silly. And and uh, in the movie, the title card only says the raid. So I've kind of just That's been calling true. it the raid. Huh. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a good movie. It's a good movie for what it is, and it's it accomplishes what it sets out to do, mm-hmm. except for tell the story of a redemption. But still, it's yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. yeah. It is it is strange that the first entry, like a, a first time movie, would have a semicolon and a subtitle. Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. like yeah. Indiana Jones. You know, like the first movies officially called Raiders of the Lost Ark. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, um, so I liked that. That was good. Uh, good. Oh, I've been I've been catching up on Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh yeah, show. that's always that comes on after New Girl, uh-huh. and we DVR New Girl. But I always had five minutes at the beginning and the end just because I've been burned too many times. <laughs> and uh, so my wife and I will watch New Girl, and then we catch the first you know three minutes or whatever of Brooklyn Nine Nine, mm-hmm. and we laugh. Every time. It's so funny, And we're like, dude. why are we not watching this show? Yeah. Uh, definitely, definitely get into it. Because they're about to end the season. I think they've got a few episodes left. Um, okay. But they were renewed for a season two. And it's it's hilarious. I mean, at first, it kind of feels like a knockoff of Parks and Recreation. It sure. feels like Parks and Rec in a police station. But it's okay. really, really grown into its own. And the characters are really good. Um, cool. And there's just some really funny stuff that happens. There's a lot that can be done with uh, the police setting, mm-hmm. and I, I I love it. Um, 
Oh, guys. Cool. Guys. Uh-oh. <laughs> Cosmos. Yes. Oh. I have not watched the second episode yet, but the first episode. Oh, I know. I know. But, man. That is that is the closest thing to to live-worthy television. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, just, we watch Cosmos live. This that's the only show I watch live. Nice. It's been really successful too. Yeah, and I love that about it. It, it had like, a, uh, well, did it have like an eleven million rating? Like it got like eleven million viewers. I thought twelve. No, significantly less than really, that. really. Yeah, I, uh, maybe the second episode, but no, the the uh, uh, you know what? And maybe they're including both nights. But I remember the Sunday night uh, was actually a disappointment. Really? Uh-huh. Huh. I guess I uh, heard wrong. <laughs> yeah, it had so much going against it. I, I think that they are... Um, here we go. Here we go. It says it's not a disaster. <laughs> That's what <laughs> wow. they can say. Yeah, just Resurrection uh, is killing it. Obviously, on a Sunday night, the only thing people watch live really is uh, Walking Dead. Yeah. Um, but it did take a chunk from The Walking Dead. Um, and what else? What else? What oh, else? Right. What else? Oh, Cosmos in its first week. Oh, no, sorry. Cosmos this past week drew 4.9 million, uh, which is actually down 16% from the first episode. Jeez. And that's the, the Fox airing of it. Yeah. Um, so I wonder if that's both nights, huh. Sunday I and want- Monday. I wonder if the number I saw was maybe the inclusion of every channel that it's on. Right. Yeah. It's on like, yeah, it's on like 10 channels, literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's what it is. Um, I mean, that stupid Walking Dead show just obliterates everything. Yeah, it, and I mean, I've been, not to transition away from Cosmos at all, but um, I've been catching up on The Walking Dead, and I'm still like three episodes behind, but it's it's become almost a chore for me. And I say yeah, that really. as a huge fan of, of zombies. Yeah, it's been, I mean, it's just been kind of just, okay, cool, they're all separated now. And it's, like, <laughs> I, I say this with snark, so I don't really, I don't really, like, think this way. But I'm like, just in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, cool. So, like, they've they've borrowed some stuff from Lost. Yeah in the past but oh and then now they're all separated like they like they were on lost at the end of every season yeah and it's kind of i'm just kind of burnt out on that kind of thing from another show but and it's i don't know it's kind of maybe in the maybe in the next few episodes i'll get warmed up to it but i mean and i love chris hardwick like chris hardwick is i'm a huge fan of his but it's become like i'm fast forwarding through talking talking dead and then i'm thinking like like i stopped like halfway through the uh, one that I was on yesterday, I was like, this is giving me nothing. This is no, I'm getting no, there's no entertainment value with this because I have such a uh, a disconnect with the show that it's talking about. It's just kind of just pointless to me. Are you a few episodes this. behind on it, Matt? Yeah, I'm on episode like 12, so I have like three episodes until I'm caught up. Okay, yeah, the this week's was... I will be surprised if you didn't like this week's because it's incredible. Um, nice. The week before, yeah, it was super lethargic. Yeah. But there have been it's it's been up and down for me. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I I'm still liking it. Okay. Uh, yeah, but I've I've never been a fan of Talking Dead. It's never been. Um, I just I think the format. It's just not. 
I don't feel like we're getting very good information. Yeah, it's it's a love fest. It's not a discussion. Yeah. I'm um, just not, and it, not to not to the discredit of Chris Hardwick, right? Because I mean, I'm a huge fan. I'm, yeah. I'm going to say he's awesome, anyways. But he's really, really good at hosting things. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think he has to do a lot of work on that show, it, yeah. and, and I think that's the problem with it. The format he he just can't. It's it's formatted improperly for him. They're, they're wasting his skills, in my opinion. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm probably gonna dump Talking Dead and just concentrate on the show. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe in a few episodes, I will I will t- get turned around on it. But I just think now it's kind of like. I mean, I like the I like the arcs that they're playing out right now. I love the stuff with the little girl. Like mm-hmm. there was that one episode where she's like, I'm really curious to see how that plays out because like she's she's in the she's in the woods with her with her sister and she's got Judith the baby and like mm-hmm. she's pretty much smothering the baby and I'm like whoa 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 yeah you're gonna like this list so yeah so you don't nice. know how it how that plays out no 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 I don't so okay. no spoilers but um. Yeah. Well, you can say this. It's the best zombie show on TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you guys laughed. I say that to my students because my students are nuts about this show. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they talk about it all the time. Yeah. And, I, and all, I, all I can say is you love it because it's the only zombie show right. on TV. I mm. wish. I wish it were better. Yeah. Um, the source material is, is some of my favorite comics ever well the first 48 issues but uh it's it, the show is a disappointment i have talked about walking dead before yeah. so we won't yeah. we won't go there but yeah no. i'll get um, caught up hopefully within the next couple of days and tiny we'll we'll talk about it but okay it's kind of just kind of just fighting for my attention the late the latest episode warrants a discussion okay cool yeah um yeah, I like the addition of Michael Cudlitz because I like him as an actor. Is that the dude from Band of Brothers? Yeah. Oh my god, I lost my shit when he came on screen. Yeah, because well, he was like one of my favorite characters from Band of Brothers. Oh yeah, I just I just rewatched it. Yeah, he was yeah. also on Lost as Anna Lucia's partner. Anyway, um, oh that's right. Yeah, yeah, I got kind of not spoiled, but I got. I mean, I knew that he was going to be on the show because of Talking Dead, so. Oh really? See, I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm just gonna stop ta- watching Talking Dead because it's basically <laughs> doubling the amount of time that I need. That um, yeah, that's a commitment. The commitment, yeah. And it's a show that I, I'm my commitment to is faltering anyway. So why watch a talk show with? I mean, like I said, I love Chris Hardwick. I love him, but I mean, I can see him on TV in a variety of different places. <laughs> so yeah. Like the time I spend watching Talking Dead could be time I'm watching at midnight, which is a vastly better show. I we still totally... haven't watched an episode of that. Oh, dude, it's so good. I haven't watched any of that they've had this year, but just that run oh. last year was so good. We totally squandered our discussion of Cosmos. We did. We did. I yeah. To back to it for a second. <laughs> so Cosmos. Uh, so space is cool. I really space liked. Is super cool. Yeah, I really liked in the first episode the the cosmic calendar. I thought that was such yeah. a great way to illustrate, like the to to present time to everyone. I thought that was just a really cool way to do it. It's one and, of the greatest things I've ever seen. Yeah, yep. 
It was amazing. It was awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's I love and I and I think and I hope that the goal of the show was to make science cool. Mm-hmm. And I think it's doing a really, really good job. Yeah. And the visual effects are incredible. Are very yeah. cool. Yeah. And the the concept of it that we're in this they were in this ship, we're taking a tour with this ship yeah. that is not subject to physics mm-hmm. is just uh that is such a brilliant idea. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. It's very cool. Very oh, yeah. good. Yeah. I got a little choked up actually at the first episode. That's how yeah, I did too. But that that's how majestic it was. Oh yeah. yeah. I didn't the second episode. Yeah, me either. Right. Uh, I'll tell you what happened the second episode, and I'll, I'll avoid spoilers for Matt. Right. Um, the first one, I, what was so marvelous about that first episode was how well they fit so much information into an hour. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So much good information. I thought that was really, really well done TV. The second hour, while still interesting and good, is is clearly part one of two. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so, like, to call it a complete thing, I'll have to see the next episode. You, you could have just stopped after episode one, right? And had and had what they were trying to say in that episode. There, there's more to say in the, after the second one. I, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what else have I watched? I've, I've decided. I'm probably just going to drop Agents of Shield. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's I was watching cuz I, I I haven't watched it in a long time. So so I'm like 10 episodes behind. Oof. Yeah, which wow. man, that is an uphill battle. Yeah. <laughs> um and I started watching episode 6 is the episode that I, I stopped at. And it just felt like so so cumbersome to me. It was like the way that I, it's like, it feels like X Files with with only superpowers, and it's try. It's not. It doesn't feel like X Files exactly, but it feels like it's trying to emulate X Files, uh-huh. uh-huh. and that's just something that I don't feel like it's really doing that well uh-huh. at at accomplishing that. And it's kind of just. Uh, I mean, I love Clark Gregg, and Chloe Bennett. One day will be mine. Um, but man, it was, it's just such a drag to watch it. Cause I mean, like I was, I was watching it and then like they had, it was a story of, um, uh, like, like, uh, firefighters from, uh, the, the attack on New York. So they, they, they basically have it into the universe and everything. It's, it's exists in this universe and they have, callbacks and everything to events that have happened in the cinematic universe and so these these guys are basically dying and they're trying to figure out why and they find out that there's some kind of virus or something and then there's a point where they figure out what the problem is and there's kind of an emotional scene where they figure out that they can't do anything for this guy and then i'm sitting there like oh cool so i'll be able to watch another episode of brooklyn 99 because this is ending pretty quickly (laughs) and i look and i'm like halfway through the episode i'm like Oh man. <laughs> and then there's this whole like forced like um oh this one character is infected with this virus. We better save her and all that. And I'm like, okay, well it's the first season. This is this is a pretty major character. They're not going to kill her off. It's I was just like in the fact that it exists in this world where it's 
this alien virus. I'm just sitting there like, okay, well, they're going to figure something out to get it out of her, and it's not going to be anything that's really going to make me that I'm really going to enjoy because it's going to be just this doctored thing. It's going to be, oh, well, and in the, in the 11th hour, they're going to figure out uh, this plot convenient answer to it. And it's just kind of just like, I didn't feel like finishing it. <laughs> so I just turned it off. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's a bummer. Yeah, it, it is. But I mean, at least I have time now to watch other things. I might check out resurrection, which I watched the beginning I watched the beginning of the first episode and there's a fine line between paying homage to something and to straight ripping it off. And the first, the opening moments of the pilot of Resurrection are the opening moments of the pilot of Lost, like almost to a T, <laughs> only with a kid in a field instead of a guy in a, uh, in a forest. And with I a, thought that show looked awful. Yeah, it and I don't know. Maybe I'm just kind of hurting for a good mystery show. Yeah, but yeah. I like the concept, but the execution looked dumb. Yeah. Um, um, to go to go back, if you guys don't mind, sure. To uh, to Agents of Shield, I haven't watched it. I haven't seen an episode, but uh, it just seemed to me like uh, they it, it, they took a gamble. Right, mm-hmm. they were taking a shot. It was an experiment. Can we make a show? that takes place in Marvel without the superheroes? Right. The answer is no. I guess they included Deathlock. Is that the name? The character? I don't know anything about the character, but apparently it's a huge thing. Well, it's not Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> right. And there has been yeah. like a cameo from Samuel L. Jackson, but and I guess Lady Sif from Thor appeared in an episode. But yeah. it seems like it's really struggling to make that kind of big swooping connection, and it's too episodic for me. Uh, I like my I like my shows serialized. Yeah. Um. It's, it's just yeah. I'm I'm probably gonna drop it because I feel like I I'm hoping and I'm I'm positive that this is the case. I'll be able to drop it and then have no qualms with watching the movies because I, I don't think they're going to connect it in any big way they'll probably make connections into the show from the movies but i don't think that they would be uh bold enough to make the show an integral part of the cinematic universe just because 22 episodes per year is a big commitment for people who are watching a movie every every year or two movies every year mm-hmm. to make them integral to the plot Yep. Yep. But I know yep. the actors and actresses, so when there's a cameo in a movie, eh, I'll be like, oh, hey, yeah, cool. <laughs> um, that's that's more than you can say uh, about other things. I don't know what I was going to say there. Right. That out. I don't know. <laughs> uh, You're fine. Real, real quick, I wanted to mention um, earlier Mike brought up New Girl that he, he and his wife watch it, and that's how they see the first few minutes of Brooklyn Nine Nine. Mm-hmm. Um, that reminded me. I started watching New Girl on Netflix. Uh huh. Um, on a whim. I love it. It's great. It's really funny. But Good. Um, why it's noteworthy is because uh, Mike. I don't take this the wrong way. <laughs> okay. But uh, Schmidt reminds me so much of you. <laughs> Just your personalities are nothing alike because you're not a douchebag. <laughs> yeah. Because well, that's what he is on the show. But right. Just it's just physical. 
I don't know. Something huh. about Max Greenfield, his voice and like his face just kind of uh-huh. remind me of you. Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> I, you're not the first person to ever say that. Really? really? Okay. Yeah, I, never I take it as a compliment. I, I think he's awesome. <laughs> you should. He's and a really good guy. I also think guy. he's a very handsome man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so no, I take it as a compliment. But I've oh. I've heard that I've heard that plenty of times. Yeah. Okay. My okay. wife thinks so. Really? <laughs> He'll do things on the show, and she'll say that's so that's you. If yeah, like if you spoke with more snap and were a d bag, you would be like <laughs> yeah yeah my chutney. <laughs> my hair chutney thank you for there's that only so one reason a man should think about another man and that and that's if that man is jay cutler i don't even know who jay cutler is <laughs> my mind is oh, it's jay cutler why are you right saying now. it that way jay cutler <laughs> oh, oh that's fantastic that. um on a similar somewhat similar note and we should probably wind this down because we're holy crap we're an hour and 20 minutes but um, yeah, uh, I, on a s- separate note is I've watched I've been kind of getting caught up on the Mindy Project because I'm kind of I have all these shows that I watch and I want to kind of run through Mindy Project before I get caught up on New Girl just because I know that if I watch New Girl first, I'm just going to forget about Mindy Project. Uh, but it's actually really good so far this season. They they introduced one of the guys from Workaholics. I don't remember the guy's name um but they introduced him last season in the mindy project as this kind of way too cool uh christian like minister guy who falls in love with mindy and it's kind of just every time he's on screen i just want to punch him in the face (laughs) it's kind of this like he's way 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 too hip and they cut him out early in the season so i'm very happy that for that and they added adam pally from happy endings nice um to the cast yeah and he plays this uh, this kind of bro kind of guy this frat guy that's an obgyn and he plays it so well and it's really funny um so he fits really well into the cast and the show's been really good so I'm I'm still like five episodes behind on there, but after that I'll get caught up on New Girl. Cool. The the guy you're talking about from Workaholics is is Anders. Yeah, that guy. Anders Holm, who is actually my favorite character on Workaholics. Really? I yeah. mean, I'm sure that he's fine on there. I maybe his his character just just his character in, in Mindy Project was just like nails on a chalkboard to me. Yeah, and there's this I could, whole I believe that. Yeah. And there was like this whole episode where he he decides not to be a minister anymore or anything or a pastor, whatever he was, a preacher is what it was. Um and decides to be a DJ. And it's so stupid and it's so annoying. Um but luckily he's gone now, hopefully. Yep. So yeah. Hmm. Um, well, we're at an hour and 22 minutes. <laughs> we are. Any other things you guys want to discuss real quick or should we wrap it up or? I think I'm did it all. I'm all potpourri out. Nice. Can we talk about failure to launch? No, we can't. No, no. Okay. No, no. Okay. That's, that's cool. That's cool. No, <laughs> no, we can't. Just saying it's on Netflix instant. If you no. want to, if you want to see it. I'm not gonna do it. You know. Stop. I mean, 
<laughs> I've seen that movie. It's so it's the it's the most cliched rom com I've ever seen. Tis. And I've seen a lot of rom coms. Yeah. I've um, seen Terry Bradshaw's ass. <laughs> oh nice. I, I, I can say that now. Uh yep. Because of that movie. Maybe I wanna see it. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Uh. <laughs> it's it's kind of depressing, and this will be my final thing on the topic, and we'll never talk about it on the podcast again. But it's kind of depressing to see it because it's the thing about rom coms is that they include people, they cast people who are like pretty prominent in like comedy, the comedy scene in in and stuff. And eventually, they they will, if they're good, they will sprout off into their own into their own careers. So. What they had, what they had in in Failure to Launch. I don't know if this is the case, but the friends of of Matthew McConaughey is, are played by Bradley Cooper and Justin Bartha, who yeah. are so good, but they are so so getting a paycheck in Failure to Launch. Yeah, and it's so depressing to see them like that. And there's there's a bunch of other people. Patton Oswalt's in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Isn't uh. Uh, maybe I'm thinking something else. Isn't the friend of Sarah Jessica Parker, Zoe Deschanel? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and she's like crazy and stuff. Yeah, she's obsessed with this bird that she keeps hearing, and she falls in love with Justin Bartha. Uh, I don't. It, the movie's just awful. I should have never I brought it that. up. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, it's actually the funniest part of the movie is they end up shooting the bird by accident. But anyway. <laughs> so yeah, watch Spoilers. the launch. <laughs> hey, spoiler alert! They end up together at the end. Oh man! Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so now that we've alienated all of the listeners, should we uh, wrap this up? <laughs> Sounds yep. good. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Uh, quick note: you can check out uh, Tiny's uh, side project podcast, which I'm a contributor to. It's the Secular Perspective at thesecularperspective dot com or on iTunes or Stitcher Radio, anywhere you can find podcasts. It's, it's out there. Um, really cool, really cool format. We just basically post whatever we want whenever it comes to us, um, and it's a really, it's a really cool. Uh, show if you if you're into that kind of religious debate and secularism debate and all that so check that out and then you can find us on twitter i am at obsessive viewer tiny is at obsessive tiny and mike is at i am mike white you can also like us on facebook um rate and review us on itunes it helps out a lot and we really appreciate it um, you can also email us at ovpodcast at gmail.com. Check out the blog at obsessiveviewer.com and check out the offshoot of, of the obsessive brand, um, the book review website at obsessivebooknerd.com, where we post book reviews and, and thoughts, blogs, and, and uh, commentaries on, on reading and, and stuff that we read. So check that out and. Uh, uh, I feel like I'm missing something. Vote for us for Podcast of the Month at podcastland.com. And am I forgetting anything? I think that's about it. I think so, too. If not, yeah. you can check back on other episodes to find out what I'm missing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's about, that about does it. All right. All right. Thanks, well, guys. Thanks for listening. If you ask me, the light's winning out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and now we have a nice bow on the episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh.
quick announcement for two of Greendale's finest. Payday is postponed until next week, so this is my freestyle rap apology. Well, I'm a peanut bar, and I'm here to say your checks will arrive on another day. Another day, another dime, another rhyme, another dollar. Another stuffed shirt with another white collar. Criminals, Wall Street, taking the pie, and all the black man gets is a plate of white lies. Prisons recruiting them, police be shooting them. Rap artists looting them, labels all diluting them. Barack Obama, he's scared of me, because I don't swallow knowledge, and I spit it for free. Let me clear my throat. <laughs> I don't know what that was, I don't. I don't know what that was. 